0: and welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products including CBD, Kratom, and the new Delta 8 capsules when you order online at abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W. Discount code ColbyShow to save 15% off your online order. So, again, check it out. If you have any questions about their products and how they can benefit your life daily, give them a call 405 458 9699. That's 405 458 9699. They are more than happy to answer any questions you may have and to help educate you on how these products can help your life on a daily basis. So, again, 15% off uh, when you order online with the discount code ColbyShow at A Botanical Company. Com. All right, so we have uh, big news, obviously, in the basketball world. James Harden traded out of Houston to the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. This, I think, is going to be as fascinating as as any trio we've seen in the NBA, and that's not necessarily uh, saying that it's a good thing, but I, I think when you consider the off-the-court issues that may happen with this group, um, I, I'm just really excited to see how it plays out, and, and ultimately... I think just from a basketball standpoint to see how those three guys uh, play together and maybe sacrifice for each other. So um, that I think is really interesting. And, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then UFC takes a little break monster year in 2020 when everybody else shut down Dana White and the UFC trucked forward and they hit it out of the park. They hit a home run in 2020 so much so, in fact, that they are broadcasting their first fight in 2021 on ABC Saturday afternoon. So, I mean, it's a massive deal for the UFC to be on network television Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this fight card. I'm really excited about 2021 for the sport. So, my buddy Will Brewer, who was a former intern uh, at the radio station and, and is also a big UFC fan, and a guy that used to cover the NBA as well, uh, going to join me in a moment. And we'll talk about the Harden stuff, uh, the Harden-Durant-Kyrie stuff, and then get into the uh, the fight card on Saturday. And we've, we've set up a uh, a pickem of sorts for the UFC cards every single week and a point system, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but that's coming up on today's episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast with Will Brewer. Will Brewer, what's going on, my man? It is 2021. Uh, The last time we spoke was right before the final card of 2020. How's it going, man?
1: Well, it's going good, but now we're on this week, and there's a lot going on this weekend. So now I'm elevated from good to great. I'm doing great now, man. We got to fight week. Yeah, we got the fight week uh, three weeks off. I was kind of, you know, in a little low. (laughs) You know, there was some good stuff that happened. But, you know, now that that it's fight week, man, it's just a whole new energy.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I'm kind of torn because it was – I missed having fight cards on the weekend. And at the same time, it kind of, like, gave me a little bit of a a break from not having to pay attention to both the UFC and college football. So when we have all these bowl games – and especially like the college football playoff games and all that, it was kind of nice to be able to just like completely focus on that for a couple weeks. But I, I certainly, as soon as those were over, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to, to get back on a roll, ready for the UFC to jump back into things. And uh, certainly on Saturday, we've got a big one with, with obviously uh, a lot Considering that it's going to be broadcast on ABC, but before we get to that, so we're gonna we'll tell everybody about what we're gonna do with our uh, our UFC picks and this contest we've got going on. Uh, But instead of uh, instead of finding a different guest today, based on the news that happened yesterday, I just thought you and I would cover this as well because you used to cover the NBA, so uh, it's not like you uh, are are not a basketball guy either. So. Uh, Yesterday, James Harden is finally traded from the Houston Rockets uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. I I said that I thought he would have been traded earlier in this process if he hadn't made this thing such a public issue. I think NBA owners and GMs right now are in such a weird predicament where They are fighting this idea that players have all the power and can opt out of these long-term contracts with two or three years left on their deal. So I honestly believe if James Harden had kept everything behind closed doors, maybe something happens a little bit sooner. But the fact that he kind of blew it up on the outside, I kind of felt like made them more stubborn in terms of making this happen and the whole process to kind of, you know, flex their muscles a little bit.
1: Right, and talk about forcing your way out of a place. I mean, we knew that Houston was kind of in a um, in a weird spot because everyone was wanting to leave and everyone was kind of worried about playing time, all this different stuff. But James Harden, after he requested his trade, he's not showing up to training camp. And then when he does show up, he's 20 pounds heavier. He's not even wanting to you know, participate in any of the practices. So, I mean, he took it to another level and then – I, I remember watching that Lakers game and he just looked disinterested, man. It, it was not the James Harden of old. I mean, when he would drive into the into the paint, he wasn't trying to uh, look for contact or anything. He was letting Anthony Davis just throw his shot off the backboard. But I've never seen that happen consecutively to James Harden. So, I mean, he he forced his way out. And it, probably you're right. It could have happened sooner if he just would have uh, handled it behind closed doors in a more professional manner. But, I mean, going. I mean, he just used measures that were very unprofessional. I mean, and eventually he got what he wanted, but, you know, you would have liked to see it happen in a more professional manner.
0: Yeah, I, I just I, – the, the league is in trouble to some degree, I think, simply because guys – you know, how many guys have we seen now that have multiple years left on their deals and, and they're just like, I'm done, I want out. And what are you supposed to do at that point, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's just – it's a tough situation for the sport overall – uh, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know that there's a good answer to try and solve uh, that situation. But, yeah, I think it's it's become such a situation now where nobody knows the answer that I think it, it, if you blow it up, it's going to become a, a, you know, a I have more power than you type of, of situation. And, and I think it just stagnates the whole process to a degree.
1: Right. I think the one thing that's going to have to happen, I mean, the NBA and the Player Association, they're going to have to sit down Uh, And really just try to get a hold of this whole situation. I mean, you see these players signing for these super max deals and then two years into them, they're like I want out when the team isn't uh, where they uh, where they want them to be. And granted, you know, some of these guys are looking for their legacies. They're looking out for their primes and stuff. You know, you only have so many years to uh, maximize your maximize your, uh, your prime years. But at the same time, you sign, you sign a five-year Supermax deal, Max deal, whatever, you have to honor that. You gave that commitment. You need to honor that. And, you know, we, we saw with Anthony Davis. Oh, Anthony Davis, at least he played out his year. But we saw it with Paul George. We sang it with James Harden. I mean, and a lot of these superstars are going to look at that and be like, well, this guy did that, so I'm going to be able to do it too. So, you know, loyalty is a hard, a hard quality to find this day and age. But – you know, if, you, if you're if you not willing to, you know, be committed to your team, don't sign the Supermax deal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's tough. I mean, I, I get it. You know, teams aren't loyal to players. They can trade players whenever they, they feel like there's a better deal out there. So it's it's not like I'm anti-player in this situation. In fact, I think more often than not, I'm pro-player when it comes down to players versus, you know, ownership and front office. Uh, but I, I think just in terms of the, the wellness, the well-being of the sport, uh, it's it's just a it's a slippery slope to have guys demanding out of contracts with multiple years left on their deal and um, you know again I credit credit Houston I think for handling this in a really good way and for getting what they got for for James Harden as well they I I was shocked to see the return uh, when you consider the draft picks the pick swaps and ultimately they end up with Victor Oladipo as well I I, I can't imagine a scenario where they were going to even get close to what they got.
1: And you see a lot of these teams um, with, with their offers, what what Houston wanted, and a lot of them, they kind of were backing off. And with what James Harden was providing the team, what they got was absolutely the best case scenario. You tr- you trade for Karis LeVert at first, and you kind of like, ah, you know, Karis LeVert, John Wall, Boogie, Christian Wood, you know. Ah, you know. But then when you – When they trade for Victor Oladipo, you're like, oh, okay, I really like this because Oladipo, he wanted out of of Indiana, and it was a complete curveball to me. When I saw the Oladipo trade, I was like, wow, that came out of nowhere. And then when you look at the makeup of Houston, I think Victor Oladipo fits in perfectly with the guys that are there. So, I mean, Houston definitely got the best-case scenario for what they they were dealing with. All those pick swaps, all those first-round picks, plus a guy like Victor Oladipo, who is a former All-Star – you can't get much better than that.
0: Well, let's talk about this from the Nets' perspective, real quick. I don't really know how to feel as far as as Brooklyn goes. There's no denying that from a talent standpoint, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant is a force to be reckoned with. But in terms of how it actually looks on the basketball floor, if all three guys end up playing together, uh, which is is I, a serious question for me. Uh, Kyrie is kind of a basket case at this point. But how do you feel about the trade? in terms of the nets and what this does for them and and you know their their championship hopes
1: it it all boils down to like who is the one controlling the offense because you have Kyrie who is a ball dominant player you have James Harden who's who's been like first or second in usage for the past five or six years coming off of averaging 30 plus points these are two guys who are virtually in my eyes the same player and KD He's such a great player that he's going to be able to get his shots. He's going to be able to get good looks without um, demanding a whole possession. You can kind of just throw it to him and he'll be able to uh, get a shot off within three or four seconds. He's he's that great of a player. Yeah. But, you know, Harden and Kyrie, they're virtually the same player. So you kind of wonder how, how it looks with both these guys on the floor. And then Harden has a history of when other guys are – having the ball in their hands, he kind of just kind of lays back and kind of stands at half court. I remember Chris Paul was saying that uh, there was a lot of times when James would stand at half court and just kind of, you know, not even want to be involved in the offense without the ball. And, you know, Kyrie is at his best when he's dancing with the ball and everything. So it just, it just, it makes me think, it makes me wonder how these two are going to coexist on the floor together. I feel like Steve Nash, uh, with the coaching chapter that he has with Mike D'Antoni, they're gonna have a a very good game plan to go uh, to go to complement those three guys. But it's gonna have to be a lot of staggering those two, um, a lot of time where the Kyrie's on the floor with KD without Harden and vice versa. Um, as far as seeing it work uh, long term, as far as in the playoffs, I mean, I feel like just off of talent alone, they're gonna be able to run through the East. But then, you you know, in the finals against, you know, maybe the Clippers, the Lakers, um, it's going to take more than just talent. And what's going to happen when uh, it takes more than talent? Are they going to – is everything just going to go crazy? Or yeah. are we going to be able to – are they going to be able to coexist? So, that's the main question in my eyes.
0: Yeah. it's Look, I, I think that, again, you're talking about um, James Harden and Kevin Durant are absolutely top ten players in the league. There's been – periods of time where Kyrie, I think is considered that. And if you just want to talk about overall ability, I think Kyrie's one of the 10 best offensive players in the NBA. I, I don't dispute that at all with his ability to not only just handle the ball, create his own shot, get to the rim, shoot, shoot the ball from the outside. I mean, he's a threat from everywhere. He can get his on his own without the help of anybody else. So, um, it, it's so fascinating to me that, we have to figure out like who's going to be the guy because you mentioned staggering. I, I I think that's the way that the majority of the game is going to be handled, but what happens in the final five minutes of a close game? That's, that's where I'm, I'm really wondering like who becomes the guy uh, because your, your point about what James Harden looks like in Houston off the ball is, is completely valid. He, he, doesn't like to to move around he doesn't like to expend a lot of energy when the ball's not in his hands and that's kind of what Kyrie does best and and look James Harden for that matter is as good as anybody in the NBA getting to the free throw line because he has the ball in his hands so um you know what kind of weapon is he without the ball in his hands what are you doing to Kyrie's game if you don't have the ball in his hands Kevin Durant is going to get his no matter what happens I, I'm with you there um the ball will find Kevin Durant and and he's gonna end up scoring a bunch of points every single night. But not only that, you look at the other end, James Harden and Kyrie Irving as you're starting backcourt defensively isn't going to scare anybody. And then you add the the aspect of, you know, Kyrie sometimes wants to play, sometimes he doesn't. Like the mental aspect for all three of these guys for that matter, I think is intriguing. This is as crazy a situation in the NBA as as I can ever remember, honestly.
1: Yeah, so it, it makes me it makes me wonder in the final five minutes if Kyrie's got the ball and he's dancing and stuff. What's James Harden? What's James Harden going to do? Is he just going to kind of just stand there? Spot up shooter. Uh, I mean, is that what is that James Harden's mo? I mean, he that's not what he wants to do at all. And then what, now my question is, who's going to be who's going to be the one that sacrifices? Is it going to be James Harden who's been the leading scorer in the league for the last three, four years. Is it going to be Kyrie, who's used to having the ball in his hands? I mean, KD is going to be a willing sacrificer because he knows that he's got, he might have to be the one to take less touches. But he's the best player on the floor. He's the best Absolutely. player on that team. Yeah. So Kevin Durant's not going to. Have, he's he can't be that guy to take the to take the backseat. <sighs> so who's so who's it going to end up being? Will it be James Harden or will it be Kyrie Irving? It's an interesting situation. Um, uh, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I'm I'm so interested to see.
0: If I had to bet, I think James Harden is the guy with the ball in his hands uh, in the final five minutes. Again, part of that is because of his ability to get to the free throw line. When he does pass, I do think James Harden is a good passer. It's not like I don't think he doesn't have that ability. Um, But I I just think if you're looking at at both of those guys, obviously they're both incredible with the ball in their hands. But if it were me, I, I would feel like, again, the willingness to do this is a completely different story. But if it were me coaching this group, I think Kyrie Irving, to me, feels like the better option without the ball in his hands than James Harden would be and would probably give you more without the ball in his hands than James Harden and while I say that, I also recognize, like I've said this in the past, Kyrie Irving is probably the best guy off the dribble in the NBA. Like it I, I don't know that I would pick any maybe Steph Curry's a close second in terms of just being able to create off the dribble. I mean that he is he's one of the best in the history of the NBA at that. So to think about talk having this conversation and taking him off the ball in a situation to me is mind blowing. But uh, yeah, that's the situation they're in, and, and look, I wouldn't at all be surprised given how just bizarre Kyrie's behavior has been this season if he's not a part of this team by, by the time the trade deadline gets here anyway.
1: I wouldn't be surprised at all because, I mean, these problems that he's, that he's given this team, I mean, very unprofessional, and he signed with this team. He's getting paid to play you need to show up to work man i mean that's to me that's that's all it is i mean i don't know what you got going on outside of outside of basketball i mean i hope whatever it is i mean i hope he's all good but you need to come and you need to work i mean kd signed with brooklyn uh a large part because of kyrie irving and if and kd he's got a lot on the line this year his legacy i mean coming back from a torn achilles i mean He's got a lot on the line and he, I, he put a lot of his trust in the Kyrie and Kyrie's kind of, you know, not handling this, you know, in a, in a very friendly manner. So, uh, yeah, man, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm, I'm more curious on how Brooklyn is going to handle their uh, their last three roster spots. They've got three roster spots and they've got um, a lot of offensive firepower. That's for sure. But. They need some defense. They need they need to have some guys who uh, predicate uh, defen- on the defensive end. Uh, who's gonna be that guy to, to like you said, Kyrie Irving and James Harden as their backcourt? I mean, if I'm Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, I'm like, yeah, man, we're gonna we're going off for a hundred <laughs> uh, to combine. And uh, so, I think I need to find some guys uh, who predicate on defense uh, because. Looking at their lineup now, the only defensive-minded player is DeAndre Jordan, maybe. I mean, KD can play some defense as well. But outside of that, you know, Joe Harris, shooter, he's not really known for his defense. Uh, Shamit, shooter, not really known for his defense. Um, I like the, the Bruce Brown kid. He uh, he he can play some defense, but, I mean, you need more than him. Uh, TLC, he's, uh, he's another guy. So, I mean – They've got some pieces, but I mean these guards here now in the NBA, I mean, goodness. You're going to need a lot of defensive firepower to handle those guys, so Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, man. Yeah.
0: I so my preseason pick was Nets to win the East. Um and and look, I think it's just it's easy to just give all the credit to Kyrie and KD, but when you looked at that roster to start the season, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. You have your backup point guard situation figured out there. Karis LeVert is, again, I think one of the best just, you know, second team scores, sixth man type guys in in all of the league. I think Jarrett Allen was the perfect rim protector for that group and and, you know, again, can finish offensively. If you need him to, Joe Harris spreads the floor for everybody. I mean, they just—it felt like they had all the right pieces around Katie and, and Kyrie for those guys to excel in this team to just be really good from a lot of different aspects. But um, if I had to bet now, I, I think I'd probably bet against them winning the East after this trade. And, and look, I think you also have to consider just how crazy Kyrie has been as well. I mean, that—that that is a big factor for how this thing is going to unfold. And, and he was mad about the Steve Nash hiring. Uh, and he and KD have been on the rocks anyway. And so you add this other piece into it, and it just kind of feels like a dumpster fire a little bit. But um, I, if, if, I, if you had to bet, are they winning the East right now? Man.
1: Um, just based off of talent, firepower alone, it's going to be hard to stop those three guys on a nightly basis. I do believe that they'll win the East. I, I believe that they'll um, figure out uh, some extra pieces to add to the roster. Um, I do think they'll win the East, but um, as far as winning it all, I gotta I gotta see more. I gotta see the chemistry, man, yeah. because it takes it takes chemistry, uh, sacrifice. It takes so much. Uh, defense to win a championship and they're miss they're lacking in uh, a few of those areas I gotta see it man and with Kyrie being as much of a head case as he's been uh they need him to be locked in they need him to be the Kyrie that was in Cleveland when uh he helped LeBron James win a championship they need that guy uh, who was locked in and uh, and who was motivated to win uh without him uh I don't know, man. It, it, there's just a lot of moving parts, yeah. a lot of things that have to go right for those guys. So, I mean, I do think they'll win the East just based off of talent and firepower. There's not a lot of Eastern Conference teams who who have that. But um, as far as winning it all, yeah, there's a lot's gonna have to be done.
0: Yeah, if they were in the West, it it would be really interesting to see them face the challenges that they would face in the first round, second round, third round if they make it that far. Uh, because it's so deep, you're going to get tested. And when you have to face adversity that much, I mean, again, I, you know, the mental part plays a, a big role in that situation. So maybe they never get pushed to the point in the Eastern Conference playoffs where that becomes as exactly. big a factor. But I, I don't know. It's it's intriguing, man. Like I said, I, I know that, like I, this was brought up to me yesterday, the Lakers bringing in Dwight Howard and Steve Nash to pair with Kobe Bryant was one of those like crazy, you know, what could this look like I never really thought that was going to be much of anything. Like, I I don't know how many people, like, thought it meant championship. I wasn't one of them. I just thought, you know, Steve Nash is not an elite player anymore. Uh, You know, Dwight Howard just didn't seem like the right fit anyway. And so I wasn't in that category. But I know some people felt like, hey, that guarantees them a championship, and it was a complete disaster.
1: I think um, the idea, just like this one in Brooklyn, it looked good on paper with the Lakers. But they did not have the right coach. If you remember, Mike D'Antoni was coaching that team, and you have two bigs. You had Dwight, and you had Powell. That doesn't space the floor at all. I mean, I don't know if they, you know if they were trying to run the triangle or what, but it it got to a point where it was better for when one of those guys were out of the lineup. When Powell was out, I remember he was starting. Um, I don't know if you remember Earl Clark. Yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, a stretch four. That that fit more of D'Antoni's system, and Powell was kind of you know unhappy with his role on the team. Uh, Dwight was dealing with injuries. Steve Nash was dealing with injuries. I think he was thirty nine forty at that point, and then you know Kobe was just trying to you know make everything work. So, I mean they didn't they didn't have the right coach. There was a lot of things with the Lakers that just went wrong that season. As far as Brooklyn, I feel like they have the right coach um, with Steve Nash. He's got well he's in his first year he's got the right coaching staff he's got a lot of people around him who will help him make all the right decisions the right moves so I feel like they have the right coaching staff as far as uh pieces I feel like it can work I don't think that James Harden and Kyrie can be your backcourt I think you're gonna have to put, you're gonna have to move Harden like to the three Katie at the four. A big at the five, and then you have to put someone who's defensive-minded at the two, like um, TLC or somebody, uh, to start. So um, that way, you just have a little bit of a defensive um, presence, identity out on the perimeter. Getting a guy like Avery
0: Bradley or somebody like that would be just big time for them. Yeah,
1: perfect because you know if you're because the way I watch James Harden and Kyrie Irving, they're such willing switchers. So if they're <laughs> going to switch between each other, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you're going to have to have a guy who's going to be willing to take on the defensive challenge every night of, uh, of the point guards and the two guards um, for that to work, in my opinion. But, yeah, man, um, I feel like um, James Harden, KD, and Kyrie, it's a between those three, it's a good problem to have as far as them on the court. But with every with all the drama with Kyrie <laughs> yeah. off the court, it just adds so much. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, man. I just hope they get yeah. it figured out and we see some good basketball.
0: About an hour after the trade, uh, this tweet from NBA Central um, hit my timeline. Kyrie Irving is furious with the Nets organization for not giving him more input on hiring of Steve Nash. His relationship with Kevin Durant has become quote very distant. So uh, there. And that's, that doesn't even have anything to do with Harden. Like, notice the name that wasn't involved in that tweet. So there you go. It's like, I I, I don't know. I kind of feel like the off-the-court stuff may blow this thing up way before the whole who's going to have the ball in their hands in the in the closing minutes. But I, I'm just – can we just get a date for when the three guys are going to be on the floor together? Like, that's all I want. Like, let's – I I want to put it on my calendar, like January 23rd. They're all going to be on the floor together, suited up, ready to go. I'm right. I I need something to circle and something to look forward to.
1: Right, man. And, you know, KD's looked so good these last few games. I mean, the the show he put on at MSG against the Knicks. I mean, I was a little worried about how he would look with his Achilles coming back. But that's the same guy to me. (laughs) That is the same guy. And then. Uh, but as far as the off court issues with Kyrie, man, it's just sad because you wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt really bad because of what he did in Cleveland and how he was, uh, how you how he was such a marksman in Cleveland, how he made that shot to win them uh, in Game Seven, and then you kind of were rooting for him. When he went to Boston, you know, you, the guy wants his own team. Yeah. You know, you're kind of rooting for him. And then you see all these problems start to happen. And then you kind of don't believe, like, you know, Kyrie doesn't say much. You know, it couldn't be him. You know. But now everywhere he's been, there's been some kind of problem with Kyrie. He's a pain in the ass. And, I mean,
0: that's just the bottom line. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and it, it, it makes you credit LeBron that much more just for having to deal with that. And if there were problems... They never saw the, they never saw the media or if there were problems, it would all fall on LeBron's shoulders. Yeah. So, you know, it's a credit to his leadership. And then, you know, Kyrie wanted out of that situation and, you know, he's made all these other situations that have been really good for him. He's turned them into the shit kind of in a way. So, yeah,
0: (laughs) he's, Um, I don't know how he's going to handle the Chris Bosh role. Because, look, James Harden's an MVP in this league. Kevin Durant's an MVP in this league. And for as great as Kyrie Irving is, and I'm a big fan of his game, t- to your point, I've rooted for Kyrie Irving every step of the way because I enjoy Absolutely. watching him play that much. But, I mean, I, there's no denying that he's the, he's the th- number three guy there.
1: Absolutely. He, he is the number three guy. He's the boss. Uh, yeah. He, he, and he's got to be willing to take on that sacrifice. Yeah. If he doesn't, this will not work. James Harden is too good of a player to take on that sacrifice. Kevin Durant is too good of a player to take on that sacrifice. Can Kyrie be willing to take on a not even a, a similar role, but just you know, take a step back, just like he was, just like he was in Cleveland. I mean, LeBron let him do his thing, but he's going to have to take a step back, and he's got to be okay with it. And if that's not going to work, then I mean, I know Kevin Durant loves him, but I mean. You to ship him off, man.
0: <laughs> I, I'm here for the press conference uh, following Steve Nash's request to come off the bench. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, it, and he goes, hey, hey, K, they want me to off the bench. Right. And KD says, yeah, I do, too. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, he would, yeah, that would be a, that would be a complete disaster. But again, I, I think it's, it's as intriguing as anything that's happened in the NBA from a, from a, you know, personnel standpoint, uh, how, how these guys will work together. look, it was a, last year, just the Harden and Westbrook dynamic was super intriguing leading up to the season. How were those guys going to handle the situation? And now you have a similar situation, but you add KD to the mix as well and uh yeah it's uh it's it's gonna be fun I'm, I'm excited so just for the love of God, give us a date on when these guys are going to be on the floor together all right Absolutely. Saturday we have uh, UFC Fight Night in Abu Dhabi Fight Island this is huge and we talked about the last time you were on the show we we just talked about the the massive year 2020 was for the UFC the growth of the UFC in 2020 and and just how much the pandemic as far as nobody, playing their sports, but the UFC continuing to roll on, how much that meant to their overall just visibility and popularity. And, you know, again, I, I, I was just, I was stunned by how many people I knew that were maybe like fringe fans or not fans at all that all of a sudden started watching every single week. And, you know, the result of that is an ABC fight card on Saturday, the UFC on ABC. This is, uh, this is a monster deal.
1: Absolutely, man. It is absolutely massive. And as soon as I heard it, as soon as I heard it that the UFC was going to be on ABC, it made me think of watching basketball on ABC, how important that those games are. You see, you don't see just a, a, a common matchup. You see some of the best matchups in the NBA on ABC. And this is going to be the same thing with the UFC. They're opening up with a, with a absolutely banger of a fight. And the the whole card. I mean, I'm so I'm so intrigued by this, and just to see what it's gonna be going forward, um, man. And, and then the boxing aspect of it. I mean, we haven't seen fights on ABC in over I can't I can't remember how long it's been, but it's been I, off the top of my head, I want to say it's been about 15 years since there's been any type of fights. Yeah, on ABC.
0: I think I heard and like now, 98 maybe earlier this week that 90. I could be wrong. I think somewhere I heard that right around '98 was uh, the last time that they broadcast boxing. But th- that's what they were yeah, known for. I mean, you know, they were the only ones at one point.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So that's over 20 years where there hasn't been yeah. any type of combat sports, and then you bring in the UFC, who's coming off of such a big year um, as far as viewership, and they're the only they were the only uh, league that was going at the time, and now. You bring in all of the ESPN viewers, and now you're going to bring in even more viewers with ABC. The UFC is rolling, man. They are rolling.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm excited for a big 2021. 2020 was as good as it gets. And, I mean, they they have their work cut out for themselves if they're going to try to match what we got from the sport uh, a year ago. But, look, I, I have... Complete confidence that they're going to be able to do it. I mean, the roster right now is deep and talented, and every division I think has multiple big storylines. I mean, it is the health of the sport is is so great right now.
1: It's so great that um, the UFC has to uh, cut down the roster a little bit, right? I mean, they're <laughs> right. talking about cutting fifty to sixty guys, and you're like, whoa! Yeah. I mean, that just goes to show how deep they are to just to be like just to come out and say something yeah. like that that means that they're completely good on on all fronts as far as these fighters go. And it was such a big year with the Contender Series. So many fighters came through and performed at a, such a high level. So now you look at some of these guys who are kind of like mid-level or who are kind of 500 in their fights. I mean, some of these guys are becoming expendable because these younger, these yeah. younger guys are willing to fight they're not willing to be paid that much. They just want to go out there and fight and they're doing it for the love of of fighting, not just, you know, trying to be a star or whatever. So, I mean, the UFC is in a great spot. Uh, The lineup so far this year looks insane. I mean, they've booked fights up to about April, I think. And just the the first four months, man, I'm excited, man.
0: (laughs) How are you feeling about the pay-per-view a week from Saturday? Oh my gosh, man. I'm I'm so hyped for that card.
1: Uh, man. It's so intriguing. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. Uh, the second time these guys have fought. The first time, these guys were young, hungry prospects. This is a completely different fight now.
0: And they're completely different fighters. They're completely different yeah. fighters.
1: They both have championship level experience. They both have been in wars. I mean, Conor has seen some of the... Biggest paydays in, uh, in Miss Martial Arts history. Uh, the biggest gates. Dustin, he's he's worked his way. He his, his his quote is paid in full. He's worked his way into a uh, into being a championship level fighter. He's paid all of his dues. Connor, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same thing. He worked his way through the featherweight division, and then you saw the star just kind of blow up. And now he he's at a point where he needs to get back to being that championship level fighter. We're kind of seeing him fight once a year, yeah, or once every two years. You know, we want to see Conor back to be to see if he's really the best. That's what I want to see. I want to see if Conor's still the best. And with this fight with Dustin, we're really going to see if Conor's not yeah. at that level because Dustin's going to push him. Oh yeah. I mean, I want if Conor doesn't get him out of there in sixty seconds like he says. What's gonna happen after that? That's kind of been my my thing with Conor. You know, um, he's got a hell of a left hand. He will put anybody down with that left hand. But what happens when people survive that left hand? Right. Kabib, uh, Nate Diaz. You know, he kind of gases out a little bit. I want to see, just like Dustin said, he wants to, he wants a war. I want to see Conor in a war, <laughs> yeah. and I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him tested, man.
0: Dustin was asked uh, last week what his hope for this fight is. And he said, I hope in the, in the first like minute of the fight, we're both cut and bleeding everywhere and we're both hurt. And it was like, what? Like, why wouldn't you? Cause he was like, that's the point where we find out who wants it more. Cause he was like, I know that I can, I can go through that adversity and still give everything I have. And he's like, I don't know if how Connor would react to that. So I, Dustin Poirier is my favorite fighter. In, in UFC because every time he fights, that's what you get. Like, it yeah, is just, absolutely. he is going to go forward and he is going to just throw until the final, you know, horn sounds or the final bell rings. Like, he there's just no stop. And every time he fights, it's incredibly entertaining. That said, Conor McGregor can end this fight with one swing, like you said, and it's not just, it's not just the power. It's all the different angles that it can come from. And it's the, you know, the, the weird kicks that can come out of nowhere. Like he's just so awkward that it's, you know, it's not j- for Dustin. It's not as simple as just going forward and, and throwing everything that you're going to throw and, and, you know, having like a, a boxing type match. Um, I, I love this fight. I can't wait. And let me ask you this real quick before we get into the card that's going to be this Saturday. Have we reached a point where we like have seen Connor McGregor go from extremely maybe overrated to now maybe a little underrated like have we reached that point or do you think he's properly rated that's a that's a great question man um
1: because there was a point where he was very I felt like he was very uh, uh, overrated yeah um I felt like there was holes in his game that we just um that the guys he was fighting just weren't able to capitalize on because his and- star
0: was so big I think some people kind of felt like you know he was the biggest star for sure but certainly Absolutely. i don't think anybody thought he was the best pound for pound guy and that's what i mean by overrated so exactly
1: yeah. exactly um and i don't think he's ever had held that distinction of being the number one pound for pound guy i mean maybe after he um won the the double title the double um championships but after that he he went away for a couple of years yeah. and uh went to go for, uh box uh we haven't seen him be able to um hold on to the title, defend the title, um, two, three times, like, uh, Khabib has or anything. So I can kind of say maybe he's become a little underrated at this point because people might've, people may have forgotten just how, um, how much of an, of an assassin that the the man is. And I mean, Dustin's going to test him, man. Um, that's what I want to see. I want to see him get tested, but, uh, Connor is as skilled a, of a striker uh, that you're going to see in the UFC. And uh, the, in their first matchup, I remember watching the lead up to it. Connor was in his head. Like, Dustin, that's the, the guy that you see now. Yeah. If you look back and you, and you see how Dustin was back then, that's not the same guy. Connor was in his head and Connor knew it. And Connor knew that he could capitalize off that. This fight, it's not about being a star. It's not about trash talk. It's about who want it's about who wants it more, just like Dustin said. And we're gonna see. We are going to see.
0: The uh, the thing about both of these guys, like I, I think they're both in I, I don't know, if you want to say top five or top ten or whatever. I would just simply say these guys are among the most accurate strikers in the entire sport. Not just in the lightweight division, but I mean I think like Izzy is in that that group. But Dustin and Connor are, are, are right there as well. I mean, when you start thinking about every weight class and just guys that seemingly land every time they throw, I mean, both of these guys are in that, that group. So, like, when you get them together, I, I'm, this is going to be a great fight. I'm, I'm super stoked.
1: And Connor, he's, he's one of the best. Like, his, pre- his precision, uh, his kicks – his left hand, I mean, he's got so many weapons, but Dustin will come with his, his boxing is so crisp. His boxing is so tight, man. And I mean, like you said, man, when you get these two together, it's just going to be interesting to see like who's (laughs) going to be able to land that first punch. I mean, Dustin at this point in this slight weight division, we've rarely seen him, you know, get not get dropped. But Connor is that type of puncher that if he lands one, it's a wrap, man. But if he doesn't, if Dustin can push him into these later rounds, we've seen Connor. I remember with Nate in the third round, Connor hit Nate with some of his best shots, dropped him a bunch of times. But by that third round, man, Connor's over there walking with his hands on his hips. Man, I mean, if, if Dustin sees that, he'll be able to push a pace. Dustin's able to push a pace for five rounds that even someone like Nate Diaz can't because Dustin's going to be able to push him. In all aspects, in all areas of the game, uh, striking, and grappling, jujitsu. There's nowhere that Connor can go that's particularly safe. So I mean, it's going to be interesting, man. Uh, man, I can't wait. And then you got the co-main yeah. Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, yeah. man. Yeah, goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll 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 break that down next week as well, because uh, that that one is awesome, also. But the last thing on McGregor Poirier, this to me is the one hundred and fifty-five lightweight version of Rocky versus Drago Rocky Four. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, and we're gonna we're gonna have wow. the same sort of fight montage <laughs> afterward. We're just everything is landing.
1: Absolutely, man. That yeah. That's that's perfect. That's perfect.
0: There you go that is perfect all right so we are uh we are gonna do a uh, a UFC competition where we are picking fights and there's a point system attached to this and it's gonna be fun I'm excited for you to to have to text me and be like man I can't believe you beat me again every single week <laughs> um <laughs> even even though you you got me on the on the last pay-per-view you uh you bested uh, me in the hey, picks but
1: as long as as long as you admit that <laughs>
0: But look, that—that's my motivation. Oh, <laughs> I, I was taking you lightly, Will. That was the problem. You know what? I learned from my mistakes. I was taking you lightly, and then you got me on a, on a fight card. So now we gotta we gotta step it up. So, so we're gonna make our yep. picks every single week we for every single Saturday night card, and uh, we'll we'll tally the scores and we'll update the scores every single week. So the way we're doing this is it's going to be the main card every week, and it's a point. It's a confidence point system. So. If there are five fights on the main card, the fight you feel the most confident about, you pick that fight and you award that one five points. The one you feel least confident about, obviously, you're only going to put one, one point on that fight. So it, it, it's a little bit more complex than that, though, just to kind of make it a little more fun and strategic uh, throughout the process. So you can take one undercard fight if you want to and sub it in for a main card fight, but it can't be for the main event And that one can only go in your one-point slot. So if you want to take one undercard fight, it's in the one-point slot on your main card, and you switch that out for any fight that's not the main event on the main card. The second part, to just incentivize maybe some underdogs. If you're feeling like you're 50-50 with a guy that's a pretty big underdog, then maybe going with the underdog is the better play because you get bonus points if you take a guy that is plus 200 or more to win the fight. So... Uh, if if you have just I, I don't know I'm just giving an example but let's let's just say that Poirier is plus two fifty against Connor and that's your three point fight next week if you take Poirier that fight if you get it you get bonus points in the aftermath of it so uh, it's pretty simple it's it's not too complex but it just adds a little bit of uh, a a strategy other than just simply picking the fights right.
1: Yeah, pretty simple. Um, I'm going to uh, go ahead and start chalking up my W's now. Might need to get a might need a might need to get a leaderboard somewhere uh, for all my W's, and uh, every week I'll just put W here, W here, and we'll go from there, man. <laughs>
0: you know what? I'm, I, I'll have this. I'll have a scoreboard for the stream. So, um, at, you know, after oh, this okay. one, every time we do this, the scoreboard will be visible for everybody to see. So. That'll also be uh, motivation for whoever is uh, picking up those L's. You mean you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, again, five fights on this this main card on Saturday. You can substitute one undercard fight if you choose for any fight on the card other than the Max Holloway-Calvin Cater fight, which... I gotta be honest with you, man. I, I'm I'm struggling even at this very minute. I'm not sure which way I'm gonna go here uh, because I, I just love this fight that much. But um, you want to go first? You want or you want me to make my first selection?
1: Uh, so how we're doing this? We're going. Well I'll from, give you my uh, I'll give you my
0: one point fight first,
1: okay, and then we'll okay. just
0: move our way to the the uh, the five point fight.
1: Okay. Okay. Let's do it.
0: All right. So I am going to sub out my one-point fight with a guy that I think is uh, really talented and a guy that uh, I think has a bright future in the sport. This is the undercard headliner. I'm going Phillip Haas with the win in the middleweight division as my one-point slot. So, there you go.
1: Okay, I I think that I'm going to strictly stick with the, with the main okay. card. However... I was uh looking through the the names on this uh first fight which i which I would like to be my uh my one point okay and um uh, I had a hard time pronouncing these names and I kind of wanted to see if you would uh take a crack at uh <laughs> these two guys that are fighting on the first fight of the make.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about throwing me under the bus right out of the gate, damn, dude. Because um,
1: I, I tried, I tried, but I couldn't do it, man. Yeah, I.
0: So, Punahele Soriano.
1: Ooh, that's good. Okay,
0: okay. And, uh, and then the other guy. I, I'm just. I think it's. I, I know the last name, but I'm. I am do not know. I, I'm not sure on the first name. Dusko Todorovic.
1: Well, anyways, <laughs> out of those two guys, um, you're not going to attempt I, I, it. I, I want.
0: By the way, I have <laughs> okay, no, okay. I have no idea if that's right or not. Yeah. I just said it with so much confidence that you're believing me right now. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> you said it like you've done it before, <laughs> so I, I like it. I like it. So, um I want to go. I want to say the 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 S guy's name, uh, Soda
0: sort of,
1: Todorovic. Kind of as, as far as. Sodorovich, Sotoro- <laughs> I think um, I'm taking him as my one point uh, winner. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All and right. Ho- and hopefully after, I'll be able to pronounce his name.
0: All right. Give me your two.
1: Got to hear Annix Anik- say it one time, that'll be good.
0: <laughs> right. You, I, I, uh, I, they usually do that on their podcast, but I didn't, hear if, right. I didn't hear if they did that this week or not. I don't think I, I caught that one. So all right, give me your two pointer.
1: Okay, um, I'm going to go with man some, some of these were tough. yeah, but my two point uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna take uh, okay, I'm gonna take walking Buckley. Oh, okay uh, for my two point. Yeah, I'm gonna take walking Buckley for my uh, for my two point. Uh, I considered him for for the the three, but I'm going to go ahead and take him uh, for the two because uh, Alessio, the guy he's fighting, he's no slouch. And uh, we saw how Joaquin looked in his first fight or his first fight after that big knockout. He was kind of rushing things. So it's going to be, I'm I'm curious to see how he looks and see if he can uh, take it to this guy.
0: Yeah. All right. I like that. I am, uh, so the next fight I had the most trouble with and and part of this is age, and part of this is just having not having fought a lot recently. Uh, I'm going to take Carlos Condit over Matt Brown, and I, I'm giving Condit two points here, because again, I, I mean, Condit lost a bunch of fights in a row and then didn't fight for, I felt like, two years. I think he fought, what, once uh, this year, but I think it was like 2018 before that, before he had fought. Um, you know, Matt Brown, I remember... Matt Brown, I think I said Matt Brown just now. Uh, Matt Brown, I remember fighting Miguel Baeza earlier this year and honestly looked pretty good out of the gate, but it was clear that like once that initial energy was gone, there was just nothing left in the tank. Uh, so, and I think once he got, once he took one on the chin, it just kind of felt like he wasn't the same guy anymore. And look, that's what age does to you. So um, this one was tough for me, but I'm going to go con it and I'm going to give them the, uh, the two-pointer for me. Which leads us to our, uh, our our three point slot, and takes me to the main event of the night: Max Holloway oh, wow. and Calvin Cater. <laughs> so again, this fight is so intriguing to me, and and Bravo to the UFC for putting this as the main event on this ABC broadcast because I think this is going to be just a banger. It's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be incredibly entertaining. And really, I think it just comes down to do you think Cater knocks out Max Holloway? Or otherwise, I think you just think Max Holloway is going to outpoint him over the course of five rounds. So that's kind of the way that I felt about the fight. Um, again, I just I've gone back and forth. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Cater lands one big shot Ooh, in this fight. Wow. I'm gonna step out on the limb and not play it safe. And I'm going to go Cater lands one big shot. So give me Calvin Cater, even though Max is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. Calvin Cater gets it done in my three-point slot.
1: Well, um, I'm just going to say I feel, I'm feeling confident um, that I'm going to win this already. All right. But I'll go ahead and uh, give you my, my three-point. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, one of the earlier fights we mentioned, uh, Carlos Condit and Matt Brown. Uh, to fight that that we wanted to see happen for the last uh, five <laughs> yeah. six years I mean this fight's been on and off on and off and now um, it might be uh, too little too late maybe but um, I'm st- it's still a really fun matchup uh, at this stage in these guys career um, I like I like Carlos Condit in this fight um, I just think, uh, that win, uh, his confidence is going to be at all time high, and I think um, this is the last fight of his deal, so he's going to be looking to go out on a on a high note. I mean, who knows what the future holds for him? So, uh, and Matt Brown's I think he's got one foot out the door as far as um, uh, retirement. So, um, Matt Brown's still going to bring it, but I'm, I like uh, Condit in this fight. So, my three pointer would be Carlos Condit.
0: All right, fair enough. Give me your four your uh, four pointer
1: my four pointer um i will be going with um uh, the main event on this one uh with uh max holloway and calvin cater um like you said uh you, you couldn't have said it any better it's do you believe cater knocks him out early or does uh max outpoint him uh i've seen enough of max to where i really have to see someone put max down uh I saw Dustin Poirier land some of the most incredible shots on him. And he while he may have stumbled, he, he never went down. And uh, I, I've, I've watched Calvin. He looks great. Uh, he beat Jeremy Stevens. He beat Dan Ige. Uh, but I took a lot from that Dan Ige fight. I feel like while Calvin won, there was still some things uh, that he lacked in order to be uh, – Uh, at a championship level and this is a completely different level so i think that calvin goes into this fight and he kind of he kind of waits to to pick his shots and i think that's going to cost him rounds. you know some of these guys when they when they go from three round fights where they're getting these knockouts and then they go to the five round fights They want to change up their game. They want to be sure that they have the gas tank at at the end to, you know, keep up with these guys. And Max will keep a pace of 25 minutes that he hasn't really been able to see yet. So um, I think Max will outpoint him. I just think that championship experience, uh, all the wars that he's been through, I think that that helps him. And uh, my four points will be going to Max Holloway. I like
0: it. I like it. I was extremely torn on this fight, man. And and look, I think your point about D- the Dan Ige fight is really interesting because I also felt like against Dan Ige, I thought he really pushed too hard for the knockout. You know, he was coming off of that Jeremy Stevens KO and it just felt like watching him against Ige, like he was just, he he was going to do everything in his power to land that one big shot. And and you're right. I think he does, I think he is more patient against Max in this fight because it just felt like he was forcing it too much against Dan, and and that that bit him, especially defensively. I felt like he put himself in some bad positions, and and Ige was able to to land some stuff as well. So, I'm uh, I, everything you said. I think is is uh, spot on. I, I just think that it it makes him adjust in a good way, as opposed to maybe adjusting in a bad way.
1: Yeah, and and, and that's it's it's very possible because. Yeah. He's got a good. Uh, he's got a good team. I mean, his, his teammate Rob Fott, just beat Marlon Rice. Uh, so I mean, that team is it's at an all time high right now. And Calvin Cater, he's he looks better every time we see him. Yeah. But at this point, it, it becomes like, are you on that level? Are you going to be able to think the game while still being able to maximize what you do best? And I feel like Max has been there and done that. And Calvin is entering that, so I think this is kind of one of those um, uh, learning experience fights for him. Uh, Max is just at a at a level that I think he's he's just too much for him, man. Yeah.
0: All right. So it looks like we uh, we both have the same fight for our five pointer.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you? It, sure. I, I've got the pronunciation here. Do you want to go with it?
1: i i got this one okay too. okay i watched uh so for for both for both of them we've <laughs> got we've got santiago ponsonibio there you go versus versus lee jingling i hope i got that right yeah. i hope i didn't butcher that but yeah um does that mean you want me to go first as far as yeah go it? ahead yeah okay all right so um in this one uh Santiago, uh, he's coming off a, a, of a layoff, uh, two years. He's, he dealt with some injuries, Long but, layoff, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think his last fight was in 2018. Uh, but, uh, he, he was trending up towards a title shot before he, before he took this hiatus. Uh, he was, he knocked out Gunnar Nelson. He knocked out Neil Magny, um, He's knocking out these guys who don't we don't r- normally see get knocked out, and uh, I just feel like with the, the layoff, uh, it's gonna help him. I feel like he's not fighting uh, a guy who who puts him in in that much danger. I mean, while Lee is good, while he's tough, I just think Santiago uh, Santiago's just at a at a different level, and we may see um, him struggle out the gate, but I think. Um, I think once he gets his rhythm back, um, we'll either see a finish or we'll just see him kind of coast to a to an easy win. So, yeah, um, I like Santiago in this fight, and uh, I'm most confident that Santiago will will uh, be victorious.
0: Same for me. Yeah, Ponzinibbio. I I think uh, again, this was just this was a no brainer. I think in terms of looking at the card and uh, putting five points somewhere. Uh, and and you know the layoff obviously is significant, but I think the most valid thing you said is is the opponent. It, you know, maybe against a more dangerous opponent, I would probably have more doubts about the layoff and just how much the rust potentially weighs in on on the performance. But again, I just don't think this opponent is dangerous enough to the point that you know it takes him too long to to kind of settle in.
1: Uh, right, and I remember watching uh, watching Lee against Neil Magny, who. Was coming off of a two year layoff. And, you know, Neil kind of had his way with him. So uh, I, I take that performance and I look at Santiago, who's more of a power puncher. Um, I just don't see it going well for Lee.
0: Yeah. Uh, Argentine Dagger, by the way, great, great nickname. Absolutely. Um, I, I forgot what his old nickname
1: was, but I'm glad he got rid of that one. So, uh, yeah, the Argentine Dagger, that uh, describes him pretty well for sure.
0: All right, so how confident are you? You are going 5 for 5? Man, I
1: think I put them, I think I put all my fighters in the, in just the right spots. Yeah. I think I'm going If I don't if I don't go 5 for 5, I'm at least winning.
0: Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, fair I'm enough. At least going to win. So you basically you're saying you just feel really good about Max Holloway beating Calvin Cater essentially.
1: Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and I can't wait to, I can't wait for Max to get his hand raised and uh i'm I'm pretty sure that's gonna be the deciding factor and yeah. me winning so yeah,
0: I mean that would be a big point Great swing because it. I would lose out on three and you're Maybe getting it, uh-huh. four there, so yeah that would that's a pretty massive point swing uh for the main event, but you know it's uh you gotta gamble a little bit,
1: yeah, yeah you do get you do have to gamble, but uh I think this is one of those safe bets in my in my opinion, and I think that uh um Max is gonna do it for me, man. Max hasn't let me down yet.
0: How many fights in a row has Max lost now? Just uh, it...
1: the two to Volkanovski.
0: Well, did he not fight Poirier right before Volkanovski?
1: Uh, well, he right before, right after uh, Poirier, he fought Frankie Edgar, and uh, oh, okay, beat him by okay. decision. Okay, yeah, so he got one more, one more featherweight fight in, and then uh, okay,
0: ran into Volko. That's right. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking uh, I'd completely forgot about that fight actually. So yeah,
1: uh, it flew under the radar. It Wasn't on a big card. So. Yeah, uh,
0: the you know the Brian Ortega fight is one of those that just was one of the most dominant wins I think I've ever seen in a in a big fight. I mean to the point that obviously Brian Ortega missed a bunch of time after that. But um, Max just I don't know. Again, I forgot about the Frankie Edgar fight. But um, after Poirier, just kind of felt like. Something a little different about him. That said, I thought—I yeah. honestly thought he won the last—the last, uh, last Volkanovski fight. So,
1: yeah, I think he kind of just lost. Um, well, Poirier—that was—that was—that was a war, and I think as far as the featherweights went, I think he just kind of lost um, interest. Maybe, uh, that, felt yeah, like that's probably fair. Thought, like he could go in. I think he probably just thought that he was going to go in, and uh, you know, none of these guys were on his level. And uh, I'm sure he looked at Volkanovski and uh, and w- during the fight, you kind of just saw like Vol- Vol- Volkanovski was, was landing kicks, punches and everything. And, it, and Max kind of wasn't adjusting to anything. He was kind of just worried about uh, uh, his boxing. And then you see in the second fight, he made those adjustments. So um, I, I think with these two losses, I think he's more motivated now than he's been. I think he's found the the hunger again to get back to uh, being on top because, I mean, nobody wants to be on a losing streak, but especially a guy like Max, who's uh, beloved round the sport and who's such a big star. Um, I feel like just, you know, being a champion, as long as he was, he was kind of losing that hunger. And uh, I think he's got it back now.
0: Yeah. You could be right. Uh, I, I don't know what the, um, the overall thirst is for another Volkanovsky Max fight. Uh, but I mean, look, he wins this. I, I don't know, you know, after Ortega gets his opportunity, I don't know who else you even have the conversation about. So it's, it's tough.
1: Yeah. You got to put Max in there next if he wins yep. um, because, you know, he's, he's been the long training champion in the featherweight, uh, in the featherweight division. And now um, he just needs to get that win back. And then uh, Volkanovski obviously has to fight someone uh, has to fight Ortega next. So, um, Max wins this. He'll be waiting in the wings, and I'm sure that they're hoping that uh, we'll get Ortega to win, and then we get a yeah. uh, Ortega Max re- uh, rematch. But I mean, Walczowski uh, and Ortega—that's that's a really interesting fight. And, yeah. Well, depending uh, on how close that is,
0: it could be a—you know—that could also be a rematch situation. I think, especially if if Max wins you know they might hold off on max having that opportunity and just go rematch with ortega volkanovski if cater wins i absolutely believe cater's getting the shot next no matter what so
1: absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. he's got he's got to get that shot next because he's uh 3 fights in a row and then uh the the next contender after him would be um
0: Zabit, Zabit, who we yeah. haven't
1: seen so so I mean, the the stars are aligning for him to clearly be the next guy in line if he wins this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Again, I I don't I'll be curious to see how they handle the whole Max volkanovsky thing if both of those guys win their next fights. I I I I would love to see another one. Honestly, I don't know how many people are in that same group though. I don't I I just I don't feel like there's a massive outcry to see them fight again. But I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, it, it's just that I don't really know how you sell it. Yeah, but but then again these fights have been so close. I mean, right. for, 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 for hardcore fans like us, we're like, we need to see this, this one again because the first fight was pretty close, but it was clear that Volkanovski won. The second fight was, was even closer, but a lot of the world had Max winning. So in our eyes, we really yeah. don't think that Volkanovski validated himself as the best featherweight in the world when we think that Max won that last one. So for me, I would love to see a third fight between those two. So, uh, but you know, as far as like you know the, the the people who are kind of in between, you know, they probably won't uh, want to see that one again. Yeah,
0: man, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're obviously uh, gonna do this every week for every card throughout the year. I mean, there there there'll obviously be uh, weeks where uh, maybe we're not able to uh, to do it, but we'll we'll keep score all year long, and uh, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do some sort of like uh, either prize or punishment like at the end of every month to kind of like uh, just, you know, like maybe reset it or just add a little bit of uh, something extra. So,
1: so, so those weeks that we won't be doing this, are those going to be those, after those L's? Or are you going to have to take some time to recover <laughs> and uh, go back to the, go back to the war room and see. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, I'm, see I'm just giving can. us that out on the, you know, in case there's a, a week where uh, like, you know, you've, uh, I don't know, your dog dies and you've got to go take care of it or something, you know, but yeah, yeah, for for sure. sure. But yeah, no, this is going to be a regular thing every week. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about it though, man. I I think uh, like I said at the beginning of this, the UFC just had a monster 2020. And I think when you just kind of look at what's ahead in 2021 and you look at all the storylines in every weight class and just the super fights that potentially uh, come to fruition over the course of the next 12 months, it's going to be a lot of fun this year in the UFC.
1: Absolutely, man. Uh, Just the first couple months, we're going to be we're going to see a lot of intriguing fights, a lot of intriguing matchups. And that's not even scratching the surface of what's to come. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, every division is stacked with with matchups, stacked with contenders who could become champions. um, And and all of the fighters who are breakout stars now, they're stars, so. I'm curious to see who's going to be those guys to come up this year because I mean, 2020 came and gone so fast, you know, we still feel like Hamza Shamayev is new and Kevin (laughs) Holland. These guys are still new, but you know, these guys aren't breakout stars anymore. These guys are, these guys are in the thick of things. Now, these guys are contenders who are uh, looking to become champions. So now I'm curious to see who's going to be the next crop of guys to uh, be those breakout stars. And then, um, the, these title fights that are coming up, man, they're, they're so intriguing. 2021 is shaping up to be a better year than 2020. And that's just crazy to even think about because of how good 2020 was, but um, man, and, uh, and now you're getting uh, these first three fight Island cards with uh, some fans uh, with the new arena setting. So, I mean, uh, we suffered through, um, through the no fans and the kind of the kind of closed off kind of uh, arenas like at the Apex and what Fight Island was, and now we're getting back to fans. We're getting back to uh, arenas, uh, big settings. So, man, I'm here for it. Is man. it is it crazy that I kind of like
0: it better without the fans?
1: No, not at all. Because without the fans, you got to hear the punches, you got to hear uh, the corners. Yeah, you got it's to so hear much more crowd.
0: intimate, right?
1: Right, you got to hear Kevin Holland talk to these guys, talk (laughs) voice to these guys while he's getting hit. You got to hear Glover
0: Teixeira telling Anthony Smith he was sorry while he was breaking his face. Like it's absolutely. I don't know. There's something really charming about not having the people inside. Now, at the same time, you know when there's a massive punch that lands and the whole place like erupts. That's a great feeling, but I think yeah, I don't. There's there's pros and cons, obviously both ways. Yeah, just think.
1: Walking, Butley gets that gets that knockout. Imagine if that would have been in front of a of a crowd. Yeah. Imagine if if Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker, that fight was in front of a crowd. Like, like you said, there's pros and cons, but I mean, man, yeah, so excited, man.
0: We're gonna have to, so you know, how every time there's a knockout, since there are no fans, like I feel like over the last year, it's become even more of a, a thing where they show the like reactions of all three of the broadcasters, like going oh! like, <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like we need to have some, uh, like, w- weekly give out, like, an oh, shit award where it's like that knockout oh, yeah. made me go, oh, shit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Because we do that. We do that enough when there's a knockout through text. Like, right, yeah. Oh, shit, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, so we, we do that enough. So we might as well get make an award for
0: it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to leave you with this. And if you want to give me any bold predictions for, what, for, for something you might want to see or something like that in 2021, you can do that as well. But if you had to bet today on who the champions of every division will be at the end of 2021. Wow. Ooh, okay.
1: Wow, okay. All right, I'm going to start from uh, women's. All right. I'll go women's and I'll go to the men's. I'll start with the lowest. Uh, okay. Ah, uh, so women's strawweight—the champion at the end of this year will be. Oh my gosh, because Whaley and Rose—that's a yeah. that's that's tough. Um, champion at the end of this, I think will be. I'm gonna go Rose. I'm gonna go Rose.
0: All right, I'm there too. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm yep. gonna go Rose. Uh, straw, straw weight. Wait, is that straw? Uh, okay, straw weight, fly weight. Fly, yeah. Fly weight. Um, I don't see anybody beating Valentina. I think that's pretty, pretty easy. Um, women's, uh, bantam weight. Uh, I don't see anybody beating Amanda. Women's featherweight. I don't think there will be a women's featherweight division at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, on the men's side, or did you want to go? You want me to go to the men's side? Yeah, yeah,
0: men's, yeah. because I, I agree with all those you okay. just said,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, men's flyweight. Uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll we'll stick with Figueroa, man. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't think anybody's going to beat him. No, uh, uh, no Moreno it, or Garbrandt. No, I, I don't think Cody goes down. And uh, I think in a rematch, Figueredo wins All right. against Moreno. Um, Bantamweight. Um, man, these are tough. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Bantamweight. I really like Aljo, but that division is so close with the, some of those top guys. Okay, I'm, I'll go Aljo for uh, – 135
0: we are we're identical on every one of these so far by the way
1: um i i, okay. I did see cool. i think
0: it was uh i think it, chael sunnan said uh this week that he thinks that uh dillashaw is going to be the uh the bantamweight champion by the end of the year
1: god i forgot about him dang he could he could very well be the champion at but him and Aljo ah okay i'm going out
0: i'm sticking with Aljo. okay yeah Let's i'm out joe as well
1: um <laughs> uh, Featherweight, uh, Volkanovski champion now. I think by the end of this year, um, the champion will be will be Max Holloway. Okay. I think he regains.
0: I'll, um, I'll, I'll say Volkanovski still has it.
1: If it's not Max, it's, it, it'll be Volkanovski for sure. Yeah. Um, lightweight. That's this is where it gets it gets even tougher. Uh, lightweight. We're going to go. I just wish I knew what Khabib was going to do. I know, man. right? Okay. If we're, if we're going by the end of the year, I think the champion at 155 will be... Man. I think Khabib will retire. I think Connor. Will go box, so I think it leaves a hole towards the end of the year where Justin Gaethje wins the is <laughs> the champion. <laughs> I, I'm 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 not. That was I'm like the I'm Ron I, Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not con, uh, convinced, confident in that pick at all. But I just think Khabib will be gone, and yeah. Connor's gonna go box. So. Uh, my neck my my third guy is Justin. So yeah, I'm. Just, I, I was gonna go Justin since, as well,
0: yeah. and it it was either uh, Justin or uh, Charles.
1: Man, and I hear that that's gonna be uh, a fight that's gonna yeah. be coming up soon. So that's gonna be a, we'll see. That's gonna be a good one. Um, okay, welterweight. Uh, I really like Usman, man. I don't see anybody beating him. Uh, I think Gilbert Burns is, is the toughest matchup for him. Uh, him and Kobe, but uh, I think Usman just is at a is at that level. Is that he's got that championship mindset where um, no one's gonna be able to touch him. Uh, 185 middleweight. Uh, the middleweight champion at the end of 2021 will be will be Robert Whitaker. Oh,
0: do you think? Because Izzy moves out of the division, or because Whitaker... Wins. Yeah,
1: I think, I, I think Izzy was out of the division. Okay. I think at this point um, he's beaten the the who's who of the division already. And uh, eventually it's just going to be Rob um, just being better than everybody at that division outside of Izzy. So I think Rob uh,
0: wins it back. All right, so I'm, I'm going Izzy there, by the way. Yeah, if he's
1: still there, I'll, yeah. I would go Izzy. But I, I just don't think at the end of the day that he'll want to keep uh, moving back and forth um and then that brings me to 205 and i think um the light heavyweight champion at the end of this will be Israel Adesanya
0: Oh you think Izzy's going to take down Jan huh I do man i i just think that
1: uh while Jan has that power i just think that Izzy uh kind of picks him apart on the outside and doesn't let uh Jan land anything big and uh kind of frustrates him and Maybe gets him out of there or just wins by decision. Okay. And then that leaves me with the heavyweights championship of the world. I'm going John Jones. Oh. Said it. <laughs> I'm going Johnny Bones.
0: All right. I'm going Francis Ngannou. Oh.
1: Man, and it's so tough. But I, I think Steve, may beat him again. I think Steve, I beat him again. And I think he's so he's so damaged from that fight that he runs into John and John just kinda has his has his way with him. Kinda kind of similar to what happened with DC.
0: Yeah.
1: Fair enough. All right, man. I think Steve yeah. John Jones.
0: John Jones. I I All right. Well, at the end of twenty twenty one, we'll uh we'll revisit these. It'll be fun. We'll be like, what the hell were we thinking?
1: Yeah, that exactly right.
0: thing was mine, because I, I
1: I don't think that is going to be the uh, lightweight champion. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I mean, who up. knows,
0: right? Like <laughs> you could throw like eight names in a hat in that division and uh, Oh my gosh, you could,
1: yeah. man. It's crazy. Well,
0: and then so and then because of the, you know, potential of Izzy moving classes and what happens with Izzy Jan and Izzy John and John Francis and I mean oh like Stepe John if that, you know, if it goes that way, like there's just There are three divisions right there where there's, I mean, there's so much uh, up for grabs in terms of just where people are fighting that I think plays a significant role. So yeah, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, man. I can't, I can't wait, man. Just just naming all my champions made me just like, man, I forgot about Stipe and Francis fighting probably soon. Usman Burns and um, what's going to happen with uh, the middleweight division while Izzy's, uh, Fighting Yan and uh, what's going to happen with the lightweight division after after this week, man, so so much, so much.
0: It's going to be good stuff. Well, always appreciate it, my friend. Uh, we will obviously uh, touch base next week and we'll do this again for the uh, pay per view card next week as well. But uh, look, it's it's been uh, it's been a little break where we've had uh, other things at least to pay attention to with football and everything else. But I, I'm certainly glad that we're getting it back. And and I would even add this. For as many people as I know that as there are that like the sport, I think this uh, this little break kind of made people fiend for it a little bit more after having it nonstop for for basically all of 2020. So here we go.
1: Yeah, man. Like on 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 these Saturdays, while wow, college football is fun, like around six seven o'clock, I'm looking at the like man. Uh, there's no UFC on. Like what yeah. do I do? Yeah. So, <laughs> You know, to have to have that back, it's gonna be fun, man. Uh, it's gonna be a great week, uh, a great kickoff to this, uh, to 2021. Three amazing fight cards. Uh, first one, UFC on ABC. Remember, it starts early, man. Yep. I know you're. I know you're a night owl, but it starts early, my brother. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I I like the late night fights better, but yeah, I've, I'm I'm ready for the uh, the three o'clock start, right?
1: Yep, three o'clock noon, start. Noon and prelim. Noon prelim. It'll be fun, man. There you go. And I'll be uh I'll be getting my victory speech ready for next week. <laughs> Let's do it, baby.
0: <laughs> I'm ready for you to be humbled. So we'll catch up next week. Yes, sir. All right, later, my friend. Will Brewer joining later, me man. on the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or the new Delta 8 capsules. When you order online, use the discount code Colby Show, COLBYSHOW, Colby COLBYSHOW, to save 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Again, check out the website. It's uh, easy to navigate. It looks outstanding. Easy and safe pickup as well in Midwest City. But 15% off your online order when you use the discount code ColbyShow at abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody stay safe. Have a great day. And I will talk to you tomorrow. podcast is
1: over.